Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I am the kitchen sink. And I am Subo Shenjin. Welcome to episode 149, Hostile City Showdown 1995. Extreme. Yeah, that's that's the tagline. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I made a joke last episode about it. Oh, tagline is just extreme, so there you go. You gotta keep the joke up, right? Yeah. Damn right. If I, until I forget. <laughs> Which <laughs> might be in a couple weeks. Who knows, yeah. This was the second annual Hostile City Showdown, produced by ECW. It would take place on April 15th, 1995, at the ECW Arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, with an attendance of 1,150 people. They're hanging off the rafters. (laughs) One week after uh, the last one. That is correct. ECW with the big shows. Right. Yeah, they. I think they used to sell basically like packages where you just basically bought tickets for both shows. Like basically, just guaranteed the attendance for both of them. That'd be cool. Huh, yeah, season tickets for it's like, season yeah. It's like twenty dollars, two weekends <laughs> in a row. We're gonna have a beer blast. Oh, you want to get hit by a chair? Uh huh. Sixty bucks. Bring your own Bring frying pan. Your frying <laughs> <laughs> BYOFB. Okay. BYOFB. But we are back in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Damn right we are. So what deliciousness did you bring us <laughs> this week? Well, you know, we're in a new year, so it's only fitting that we have a new cheesesteak to uh, have a taste of Philly, literally. But if I remember leave. correctly, the last one may have been the worst one. Oh yeah, the last one was horrible. Yeah. So bad that I refuse to repeat their name because it's been erased from my memory. <laughs> Yeah, the last one was just terrible. Yeah. Not counting the, the time where we wrapped a Philly in a slice of pizza. That one was okay. It was just a lot of bread. But Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that last one I can't remember. This one, however, is a nice upgrade from, from the last time. It is from a place called Fill Me Up Cheesesteaks. It started off as a food truck here in Oklahoma say, City. It was a food truck, wasn't it? Yeah, it started as a food truck. It's now part of the collective over in Midtown. Nice. little... Food hall here in the city. Pretty tasty. A nice, strong roll for it. Meat has a lot of flavor to it. This one I got was the... I can't remember the full name of it, so let me go to my cheat sheet so I can see what exactly it's called. The MVP Most Valuable Philly Sandwich. Uh Yeah, it's a thin sliced steak, onion, portobello mushroom, green pepper. There's provolone, and then... Since we got it to go, it comes with Cheese Whiz on the side. Compared to some of them that we've had with Cheese Whiz, this one actually looked like Cheese Whiz. It didn't look it like did. some cheese sauce that had been overcooked in a, a warming pot for the longest yeah, time. Yeah, this one's the right color, color yellow. It's not the, yep. that Liquid overcooked gold. orange. Yeah. Uh, no, this was actually really good. Yep. I love the mushrooms. It was very tasty. So and a good roll. So I'll do the uh, obligatory bite. on. It's all in the roll, Mike. It goes it a long way. Because if it's just a shitty hot dog bun, then I'd rather just have a shitty hot dog. Yeah. Cook my butt in a microphone. Pretty damn flavorful. Right amount of grease to it. This might be the best Philly we've tried on the show. I still wish Philly Homo was closer. Philly Homo was Is that one pretty right? dang good. I think that was, that the, was first, the first one. Very okay. first one that we ever mm-hmm. had. Back when we did Philly Homo versus Texadelphia in the Battle of the Cheesesteaks. Mm. <clears throat> I appreciate and Shane, and Shane wishes we hadn't used two places in the same show. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I almost got two different ones from here, but since it's you know Hostile City Showdown, I figured we'd have two Phillies again from the same place instead of two opposing brands. But yeah, you gotta. I mean, with the amount of time we spend in Philly, we just gotta. <clears throat> maybe one day Survivor Series will be from Philly, and we can have a uh, battle of the Phillies, brand versus brand for you know, uh-huh. Philly cheese steak supremacy. But yeah, fill me up cheesesteaks here in Oklahoma City. Check them out. Pretty damn tasty. Yeah, I'll give it a thumbs up. I'll go back again. 
Well, something that would happen right around the same time as this show was unfortunately a sad moment. Yeah, I know. I was like, you're really gonna, we're really gonna bring it down like this. We are gonna bring it down a little bit. Sorry, but I feel like, especially with us being based in Oklahoma City, it's something that is definitely of note. Yep. The Murrah Building in Oklahoma City would be bombed, killing 162 people a few days after this show would happen. Yep. I mean, I was in 8th grade, and I was in a outside building. So, like, we felt a shake. So, like, people say they felt a shake. I didn't ever feel it, but, like, other people did, and so... I have friends that lived in Edmond that said they felt it, but I was in California, but it was a big deal. I was in, like, I guess second, third grade? A uh, big deal because my grandmother worked, like, around the corner, basically, from mm-hmm. there, so I remember my, of course, my dad freaking out. My grandmother was totally fine. I think maybe half of, like, at one side of the building she was in, the glass got knocked out or whatever, but... That's the only, uh, that's my family tie to it is because I have family that lived here, but as a kid, I was just like, oh shit, like, yeah, hope grandma's all right. Yeah, I was a senior in high school living in Nebraska, so obviously I didn't feel anything up there, but that was, I remember TVs being on in the school, and that was the first time I can remember, like, a news update being run through the school, through the school, uh, since, well, it started off, we were watching the Challenger take off and then oh yeah, yeah you watched we that? watched it Damn. explode rough so yeah that was the the second time that i can remember a, a massive moment like that while being at school i know at my school they didn't they didn't make announcements about it just because i mean you guys are also younger i knew quite a few people like actually my best friend's mom at the time actually worked in the building across the street Okay, I thought you were about to say she passed away, and I was like, Jesus, no, this is no. really upsetting um, stuff, man. So, I know they didn't make any announcements, because I, I know my best friend was like, he, he was freaking out. I mean, I mean, I, I kind of was too, because I mean, you know, your best friend's mom is kind of, yeah, it's kind of like a second mom, usually, yeah. for most people, and so, you know, I was... I was super concerned as well. I, have a close, I mean, I found out uh, pretty quickly yeah. that she was she was okay. But yeah, I have a close friend who I believe his father was supposed to have a, a meeting in the, uh, the basement that day, or something really messed up. <laughs> yeah, something. He's totally fine, but something. There's you've heard enough stories from people yeah. you know over the years if you live uh, in Oklahoma. But I will definitely say I don't. I don't know if either one of you have ever been to the museum yes. that's there. If but I have, it's been so long, I don't remember. It is one of the most, like, I don't know, what's the word I want to say? Um, awe-inspiring? No. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> kind of, yeah, that's kind of what I'm going with. Like, awe-inspiring things to see, just like, the it'll, way... It'll, it'll get you. It, it will definitely get you. I'm like, I'm kind of like choking up just Think about talk, like, talking about yeah. it and thinking about it. I mean, the, the outside area, they have little, it's an entire, like, Basically, where the building used to be, they've just built, it's like a whole just lawn area with little chairs for the 162 people that that died, and there's a the tree that's that was from, that was there, and it's still hanging on, but the museum itself is just right next door, and like, like I said, if you're ever in Oklahoma City, it's definitely one of those things that... If you're going to be in Oklahoma, you might as well go check out. Yeah, you should definitely check it out. It's yes. this, like, this uh, you know, kind of upsetting and, like, you know, unfortunately early, uh, you know, homegrown terrorist fucking uh, atrocity. Yeah. I mean, if you ever... It, it, it basically has the same kind of feel to it as, like, the 9-11 Museum in New York or any of those World War Two or museums that are out oh. there. It, it There's... It's tough to look at, but it's something that I feel... When, when in Rome? That people should... Yeah, definitely. Yeah. When, that people should know about and should understand. Yeah. The so only remember, big thing like that I ever went to was the USS Arizona when I went to Hawaii as a child. But I was pretty young at the time, so it's like it probably would be a little bit more uh, emotional. As a kid, I was like, okay, like, whatever. As a kid, you don't have quite the same uh, empathy as you do as an adult. Yeah. 
Yeah, I remember going through the uh, the Holocaust Museum uh, with a friend of mine. I was like 19, 20 years old, something like that. And we had flown out to D.C. so she could do an interview for an internship at the Holocaust Museum. So I walked through it a little bit, but couldn't really get through the whole thing because I was just there <laughs> like, for the time of her interview. Okay, I was like, that still sounds... But it gave me I've kind heard, of a similar heard, vibe to I've it. I've heard that museum is incredible as yeah. well. It was, there's no way I, I could have retained anything in the 45 minutes that I had to quickly get my way through there. Yeah. But yeah, it had a lot of that same just Ooh. humbling, yeah. realiza- or, you know, realistic, holy shit. Being thankful for what you have. Yes. And... Yeah. and No, I was about to go to Germany before COVID and then everything got messed up, but we kept talking about it. It's like, do we go? Like, where, where are we going? Because we're going to go through a bunch of places in Europe and we're like, like, do we do, do we, do we go do one of the things? Because it just sounds so unfun. But we didn't actually end up to get going anyway. So it is what it is, but it was one of those conversations where like, it's like we should feel an obligation, but my God, that's going to be... Like that's probably not going to be like a good time. No, but maybe a necessary time. It's beautiful at nighttime when you go by the the memorial, just because it's yeah, it all the the chairs that Matt was talking about are you know illuminated from underneath, just again to represent each person who lost their life during the attack. Well, how about some uh, scripted violence? Yes, let's move away from the, <laughs> this. Uh, Sad moment. That's right. So we see the name and date of the show uh, being shown before we get some subliminal messaging flashing across the screen. Like Bray Wyatt vibes? What's going on? I mean, did you guys get any of them? Because, like, pausing on the network is pretty impossible. (laughs) impossible. Yeah, especially when it's, like, VHS rips. Yeah. I mean, there is stuff there. Don't know what it is. Yeah. It's the start of GTV. (laughs) <laughs> but it leads us right into our first match of Stevie Richards with Raven versus Mikey Whipwreck. Now Stevie attacks as the bell rings, only for Whipwreck to avoid and start delivering left hands. Kick his ass, Mikey, kick his ass. He goes to run the ropes, but Raven trips him up from the floor. Mikey rolls out and heads to the locker room, and he comes back with Hack Myers. Yeah! To even the odds. I, that's the only thing I like about Hack Myers, is I get to go, yeah! I mean, that's literally the only thing to like about him. I guess he could be worse. At least the people are excited. And then in my head, all I'm thinking is, yeah. Yeah, Sha. Yeah. <laughs> More like, cha. Whipwreck with left hands, a clothesline, and a drop kick for a two count. Follows that up with an arm drag into an arm bar. Richards escapes momentarily, only for Mikey to hit a monkey flip and another arm drag back into an armbar. Stevie breaks the hold and misses a drop kick, so Whipwreck hits another clothesline and goes back to the arm, until Richards counters with a body slam but misses an elbow drop. Mikey goes back to the arm as the crowd chants, Daisy Dukes. Daisy Dukes. They couldn't chant worse things, and they probably will. Oh, Stevie. But Stevie finally escapes and delivers a powerbomb, only for the arm to hurt too much to make a cover. Richard sends Whipwreck to a corner and charges in, only for Mikey to move, sending Stevie shoulder first into the post. Mikey goes to run the ropes, but Raven trips him up again. So Richard goes to the ropes, only for Hack to trip him up. Fair is fair. That's right. <laughs> we'll call that comedy. Both men make it back to their feet where Stevie launches Whipwreck high up into the sky to fall flat on his face. He tries it a second time, only for Mikey to counter into a Frankensteiner for the pin and no win. I love you, Mikey. I just love a good Frankensteiner. I mean, yeah. It's one move I always wanted to take when I was younger. That's like the worst. That's like the scariest one. I mean, not the maybe not the scariest. But it's definitely not from Scott after like the first year that he does it. Yes. Yeah. Like on a list of things, I wouldn't. It's like I'll take a rock bottom. I'll be fine on that one. I don't know about. I know that's fine. That's I'm not particularly. I wanted a Frankensteiner. No. I wanted an elbow drop. You're also like six foot 
one, well, uh, two maybe. Uh, like a Frankensteiner <laughs> would be horrific. Like, this is 1995 oh, when okay. I was five foot nine. Okay, all right. And you know, the years before that, I was barely five foot tall. My first time stepping in an actual wrestling ring. Yeah, I, I don't think I was five foot tall yet. So. Yeah, Frankensteiner's like the last one. I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared of it. That's why I, one of the reasons why I love it so much because it looks so good. Post match, Raven runs in to attack Whipwreck, but Myers is right there to help, but becomes overwhelmed once the Pitbulls hit the ring. Public Enemy then runs down to clear the ring, standing tall with Mikey and Hack. Teddy Long then comes out and makes it an eight-man tag match for later in the evening, playa. Oh, that yeah, Joey Styles is like, who'd even thought? No. It's like Teddy. No, player, 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 player. Yeah, sorry. Just kidding. I know. Just I was kidding. looking at that and like, did we watch the same show? <laughs> that, that the last part was a joke. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. But it's been a while since. But I that's feel what like... would have happened. In WWF. Yep. When, I feel like we haven't seen Teddy Long in so long. It's been a while. I wonder where he's been. He was uh, our beautiful ref turned manager. He finally got rid of his terrible hair because it was really bad when he was a ref. And I think he kind of ends up doing a he basically dis- reset and comes back for a while as a ref and then jumps back into the management really? scene. Because he kind of disappears like right at like 91-ish, I feel like. Mm-hmm. 92 maybe even. Johnny B. Bad got too big. Yeah. I don't know the next time we see. Yeah, well, you know, it'll be a good surprise. It's coming. We, see. we do, of course. We're like, um, we like the number Teddy one Long. player. Holla holla, Tedward Long. <laughs> we then go to our second match of Tony Stetson versus Subo Jinzen, and we join this match in progress as Tony is choking Jinjin across the ropes. A double throat thrust and a clothesline in the corner by Stetson, but he then runs into a kick and a middle rope Mongolian chop by Subo. Jinjin continues with knee drops and a standing leg drop for the pin and, and the win. And I was like, what? Blink and you miss it, kids. Blink and you miss. Poor, poor <laughs> Tony Stetson just lost to Subo Jengen. Jenjin. Who? Mm-hmm. No clue. Me neither. I wonder if he becomes somebody later on. I'm pretty sure... I would, I would tell you if he did. Okay. I True. could not find anything about him. I, I, it's pretty surprising that there's not a Japanese guy on a show where we're like, oh, like it's happened a few times, but most of the time we're like, this guy is this guy. Mm-hmm. And he means this to this company or whatever. And here we've got Tony Stetson, who really means nobody to anybody, means nothing to anybody, but we have we know him because we've been covering ECW. Yep. And he just got. Uh, I mean, he lost his tag partner. And now he's jobbing to foreigners. Yeah, I wouldn't even call it, this is a squish. That's how insignificant it is. It's not even a squash. <laughs> he got squished. I like that. <laughs> we then go to our third match: Axel Rotten versus Ian Rotten in a viewers' choice match. You mean in a rotten match? That's my little joke. There you go. <laughs> Maybe it'll be good. Maybe. I bet there's going to be blood. Uh, if you want blood, we this got your it. match. <laughs> they got it. So Axel has the mic, and he gives the fans the choice of several different matches. But the largest cheer comes when he brings up the barbed wire baseball bat. Sign Guy, though, wants chainsaws as Ian runs into the ring to attack Axel from behind. <laughs> we want chainsaws. That, that seems, rum, a, little, that rum, seems rum, a little dangerous. <laughs> just going to yeah. say. I'd say so. Yeah. Just keep waiting, buddy. You'll get him. Ian starts using a leather strap and a baseball bat across the back of Axel. Tries to use the barbed wire baseball bat, but Axel moves in time and steals it away to use it himself. They head out to ringside where the barbed wire is raked across Ian's head, running him into multiple guardrails and bat shots across the gut. Ian knocks the bat away and uses it across the back of Axel as they head back into the ring, where the barbed wire is used across the face of Axel. Joey Styles says, these guys aren't taking any uh, flights to Atlanta anytime in the near future. <laughs> WCW definitely not taking these two guys. Yeah, yeah, they only have shows called Uncensored. They fire guys for bleeding. <laughs> yeah. Uncensored. They got rid of one of their best, biggest baby faces, pre-Hogan, just because they didn't want him to die on, show, on television. What show that was. Yeah. I saw, I'm sorry for invoking its name. <laughs> 
Ian goes back to the trash can of goodies to get a chain before wrapping the barbed wire around the body of Axel and running him into a turnbuckle. More raking of the barbed wire across the body of Axel before being tossed out to the floor, where Ian is back body dropped over into the crowd. I know that we've seen a lot of hardcore stuff, but I feel like it's taken a while to get here, but we're here. Like, this is finally... Extreme. Extreme. Like, he's, like, <laughs> legitimately, like, wrapped in barbed wire. Yep. Just wrapped wrapped yeah. in it. They're pushing it into their foreheads. And his they're, last name isn't Funk. Yeah, they're scraping it against the back, like, you know. With Funk, even then, like, I guess there was the Dory Funk and Terry Funk match that got a little out of hand. But it's all... Yeah, this one's... We're here, we're, I think we may have arrived. Yes. Axel grabs a screwdriver and uses it across the head of Ian. Mm-hmm. Before using a broken hockey stick to choke him. It's a guy I gotta do to get a frying pan. Uh, I mean, Philly's a uh, hockey town. <laughs> the barbed wire baseball bat is back in use by Axel hacking away at the arm of Ian before running him into another guardrail. That little assortment of letters there was so confusing for me. I was trying to figure out <laughs> what the hell that stood for. Barbed wire baseball bat, BWBB. <laughs> Type that into Pornhub. <laughs> 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 don't type that I mean, who knows Actually, what it'll be? BWBB. Do, and then let us know what you find. Yeah. I'm very curious. Don't send pictures, just words. Yeah. Ian steals away a fan's crutch to smack Axel before they go back into the ring, where the trash can is placed over the head of Axel, with Ian taking a swing with a normal baseball bat. Axel delivers a low blow and an arm wrench back kick, and he starts using the leather strap before going to grab the barbed wire baseball bat again. I love uh, Joey says, I'll be damned some wrestling when he does the, the uh, wrist lock and back kick. <laughs> He's just like, ah, which was my thought exactly. It's nice to throw it in there a little bit. But this allows Ian to grab a chair from the crowd and throw it at Axel. More raking with the barbed wire. Even Hat Guy is disturbed by it all. Back in the ring, Ian has barbed wire wrapped around his head, followed by Axel hitting a DDT and tries for a second rope fist drop, only for Ian to move. Ian then hits a chair shot and wraps the barbed wire around the head of Axel, followed by another chair shot for the pin and And the win. win. I technically didn't say they busted open, but just no. Yeah. They busted open. Yeah, I mean, like, at least one guy had a a bloody arm, but they both had bloody foreheads. Well, it was Plenty of better than some wire. of the other Ian Axel matches we've seen. It, they all start running together after a while. Yep. They do, but this one was a little more maybe high energy. It's always one of those things like where when you bring barbed wire in on a baseball bat it, and they start doing like unprotected chair shots or somebody just throws a chair and the chair hits the guy's head, no arms up or anything, that uh, you start to squint a little bit and... Whether you like it or not, it's kind of, kind of like uh, passing a car wreck. It's like well, you still you still look. Raven, Stevie Richards, and Beulah McCullough make their way out to ringside to join Joey Styles, and Richard says that no one is crazier than Tommy Dreamer, and he goes over the results of his last few matches. He then explains that Tommy had turned down a three hundred and twenty pound zip face Beulah. Back at summer camp. But now she's hot. But And the only person who treated her with any respect was Raven. And tonight, Raven will crucify Dreamer. Oh my god. Can you imagine him in like junior high and she's 300 something pounds? That's kind of what I was thinking. That's brutal. I mean, I thought I was a big kid and I was like 155 pounds. But, hey. I mean, I, yeah. I didn't have the... The, the zit face though so yeah that's nice i, I mean she, I had that going for yeah me. if she could have honestly if she can cut that weight and uh and look as good as she does now she went from you know 300 to like 112 soaking wet bring it on 12 of that's in the chest we need her diet yeah i know we then head to the fourth match raven with stevie richards and beulah mcgillicuddy versus tommy dreamer and Raven hits a plancha onto Tommy before he gets into the ring. I jump-started. They then brawl their way to the back wall and to an auxiliary room. Dreamer is then dragged out, 
busted open and taken over to the Eagle's Nest area where Raven goes for a pile driver, only for Tommy to reverse it into a back body drop. Dreamer uses a chair across the head, followed by a... Square. Square on the head. Followed by a vertical suplex before they head back into the crowd, only for Tommy to use a trash can and the wall. Dreamer then finds a literal kitchen sink to use across the head of Raven multiple times before heading back to ringside, descending into the ring post. And I'm trying to remember, it's obviously not a ceramic kitchen sink, because that would kill a man. It's like an aluminum. Yeah, aluminum one. It's probably like, but still, it's like, ah, even that. It's not going to feel good either. Either way, yeah, but a ceramic one, you could murder somebody with (laughs) pretty easily, I feel like. Back into the crowd to brawl some more, where Raven uses some chair shots, and then the kitchen sink as well. They get into the ring where Tommy ducks a clothesline, locks on a sleeper, but Raven takes them both out to the floor to escape. A fan then hands Dreamer a plastic dinosaur, which he uses on Raven's eggs, and then smashes a full carton of eggs over Raven's head. Yolks on you. (laughs) Back into the ring again, and Raven hits three DDTs, one after the other, for the pin, And no, Tommy kicks out. I mean, that's a way to build a baby face. Raven then throws him out to the floor to give him another DDT. Only for Dreamer to counter with a kick down low and a DDT of his own on the concrete. Rolling Raven in for the pin and no, Stevie makes the save. Richards is then DDT'd by Tommy. The ref is DDT'd just because. (laughs) Because he's there. Followed by Beulah coming into the ring, so Dreamer pile drives her down to the mat. He loves That's to do she that. She knew she left him. Tommy stands tall in the ring before heading out to the crowd as they chat. ECW, ECW. I mean, it's a, it's pretty sick, in a good way. Yeah. Sickens. It's like it's like oh yeah, like, Damn. A woman that lets you pile driver on national television. It's what we're, you want to marry eventually. Yeah, that's what we're here for. And plus, like, what, the, like <laughs> she's the, used to having her head between his legs. Oh come on! The reason they pile driver and they do the like reverse pile driver is because her dress falls down and you can see her Bone. her underwear. Yeah, that's but no, though they do it. Um, they do it. Thong cam. Vag out. Yeah. So like, it's not even ass out. It's like they ass would have been fine, but they. Yeah, they had to go to the extreme. I know, it's crazy. <laughs> crazy to me. So the official announcement of this match was a no contest. Yes. Boo. I mean, but they used the kitchen sink. That's they, You would think that Ian and Axel would be like, you can't use a kitchen sink. We use a kitchen sink. <laughs> yeah. We then go to our fifth match. The Shooter, Dean Malenko, versus Eddie Guerrero. For the ECW television title. I mean, just those words right there. I know. I'm excited. I'm immediately in my head. I'm like, oh. pants down. It's not even ECW. It's not even ECW anymore. It's like yeah. we're about to go. Yeah, we're about to see a, a super ju- a super junior bank match. Bank. We're about to see a, I guess, lightning in a bottle. Oh yeah, they, uh, a a better version of uh, early WCW light heavyweight. An instant classic. A banger. So the two men are back and forth to begin, exchanging arm locks, boot scrapes across the face, and snapmares. Shoot, catch vibe. The two fight over suplexes before fighting off hip tosses, clotheslines, head scissors, and missed drop kicks to be at a standoff. We get dueling chants of boring and shut the fuck up. Yeah, people say boring, I... I have contempt for you. Those are the fans that like the Axel and Ian Rotten bullshit. Yes. Yeah, which I think that that's... I understand why that can be fun. But this is what I'm here for most of the time. Yeah, this is definitely... This is our, where our bread gets buttered. Yes. These fans don't know wrestling. Two men then fight over a cross arm breaker and into knuckle locks until Eddie hits a urinagi out of one. The crowd is trying to get someone thrown out as yes. well. Probably one of those people that was yelling boring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe somebody had one too many um, Budweiser's. I don't know if it's a Miller or a Budweiser town in Philly, but I'm sure they got plenty of it, whatever it may be. Guerrero continues with a body slam and a slingshot senton from the apron, only for Dean to back Eddie into the corner to hit a butterfly suplex. 
Dean starts working the knee of Guerrero with a drop kick and a modified Indian deathlock, where he locks up the arms as well before turning it into a pinning attempt. Swoon. Malenko stays on the knee, clipping it, delivering a knee drop before running it into the steel post multiple times. Posted. The legwork continues with Dean locking on an STF until Eddie is able to slip out of a backdrop into a sunset flip for a two count. I know the STF is like, he seems like he got out of it too quick. I wonder if that was inspired by uh, Eric Watts. <laughs> Man, I can't, I can't even remember what. Uh, did that actually, did somebody actually say that on a yes. show? Yes. It wasn't one of our jokes. No. We no. made jokes about it. Yes. I believe it was Shane Douglas was doing an STF. Joey Styles said yeah. Oh, and Joey Styles obviously was made famous was by it, Eric Watts. Which was obviously a joke. Because <laughs> yeah. Joey Styles was very funny. Yes. Even yokes on you. Uh, Joey Styles, not good, but we know where you're coming from. Guerrero then counters a suplex attempt into a snap suplex of his own, followed by a powerbomb and a tornado DDT for a near fall. Eddie delivers a top rope Frankensteiner, but slams his knee into the mat on the way down, so he's only able to get a two count. Guerrero then tries for the same modified Indian deathlock, but the hurt knee won't allow him to get the leverage he needs, so he ends up turning it into a Boston Crab before transitioning into an STF. The two men start to brawl when Malenko head scissors them both over the top rope out to the floor. Yeah, he goes all, throws his whole body into it. He doesn't only head scissor uh, Eddie, but he takes himself over with it. It's, uh, it's a lot. Eddie's back into the ring first, so he tries to bring Dean in the hard way, only for Malenko to counter suplexing Guerrero over the ropes and to the concrete. Ah, Jesus Eddie then sidesteps Dean's attempt at a plancha, causing Malenko to jam his knee, followed by Guerrero flying off the top rope with a crossbody. They head back into the ring where Dean hits a brain buster, and he tries for a second, only to be countered into a brain buster from Eddie. <laughs> Guerrero heads up top for the frog splash to get the pin and the... No! Malenko kicks out. Eddie sends Dean to the corner and charges in, only for Malenko to move delivering a Northern Light suplex for a two-count. I love that Eddie, Eddie just hits the mat in frustration. He's like, what the fuck is it going to take? Dean then looks to apply the Texas Cloverleaf, only for Guerrero to fight it off multiple times by lunging for the ropes to escape, until Malenko hits a double underhook powerbomb, goes for the Cloverleaf, only for Eddie to cradle him up for a near fall. Guerrero with a springboard Frankensteiner for a two count. There's this already been a standing ovation just for a pin reversal. I mean, of course, it's not just for that. It's for everything that's been before. But this is how you like, like make a title mean something. This is an easy way to do that. And by easy, I mean not very many people can do this. No. So you should recognize it when they can. Yeah. Eddie continues with a pump handle backbreaker for a near fall followed by a gory special that leads into a rolling pinning sequence between the two men, all for two counts. Another small package by Eddie for a near fall, and he goes up top, only for Dean to meet him there, getting Guerrero onto his shoulders for a super electric chair drop. But Eddie counters it into a sunset flip powerball for a two count. As both men get to their feet, the bell rings. For a time limit draw. Yeah. This is the standing ovation. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love that most of the time you know, the bell rings like on a two count or something. Or like right before a three count. And that's the idea. But I love somebody not being able to put somebody away. Both of them back to up to their feet. And you don't know who's about to have the advantage. And then the bell rings. Yeah, I think that that's it honestly... staged. Yeah, and it, I feel like that... It kind of sets up what happens next better, and you have less room for error as opposed to like somebody putting their leg on it. Everybody knows the crowd doesn't have to try to figure out what happened. They know what happened is that these guys couldn't put each other away in 30 minutes, and you get to walk away and be like, I think this guy was going to win or had the better hand, as opposed to like some kind of fuckery. It's like, no, they can both, the bell can ring with both of them standing up, yeah. ready to go. Maybe one's got a bum knee, maybe one's got a bum arm. 
but they were they're still they still got fight in them. So I really appreciated the draw ending that way. Yeah, because I think that's kind of the the most superior way for a draw to go. It's always less exciting for me when a draw happens, you know, as the referee's hand is coming down for two. Yeah. You know, that that can happen one time, and yeah, it's exciting, but it happens seventy five other times, and like, all right, whatever. Yeah, and I feel like Just the, throw that's over the top rope and get disqualified. Yeah. We love a time limit draw, or at least I do, but I don't feel like we've really seen them quite end like this, and I think this is kind of the best of all worlds, especially because the only reason for a draw... I got two words. You got two words? Yeah. Short list. Yes. I think we all agree with that one. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, might, I think I might like this one better than Scorpio and Eddie last week. Mm-hmm. It's these guys close. are These guys are, like, close friends, so I feel like that automatically, it's like, they, no matter as much, how much... Chemistry, Scorpio, and Eddie have. Dean and Eddie are inclined to have more, considering that they've been around each other more. So we then head to our sixth match. The Sandman versus the franchise, Shane Douglas, with woman for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. That dirty woman. I don't even know who the heel is anymore. I mean, I'm going to go with Shane just because he has the manager. Yeah, I guess, but like, yeah. I mean, that means you're cheering for a wife beater. Exactly. But I mean, ECW <laughs> loves to cheer for a wife beater, so we, it's hard to tell here. So Sandman hits some knees to the back and misses a Singapore cane shot, only for Douglas to come back with a drop kick and knees of his own. Shane continues with a snap suplex when the Sandman tosses the franchise to the floor, where he is thrown into a guardrail. Back in the ring, Douglas hits a DDT and drops an elbow for a two count. I guess Shane is the heel because they chant, kick his ass, Sandman, kick his ass, which is a pretty good chant. Almost as good as um, kick his ass Mikey. Shane then hits a front suplex onto the ropes, followed by a neck snap, a body slam, and a splash for a near fall. Sandman fights back to throw the franchise out to the floor, hitting a leg drop across the neck, off the apron. Douglas then drops Sandman off his shoulders onto a guardrail, only for the Sandman to return the favor after stalking Woman around ringside. A body slam onto the concrete by Sandman, and then he grabs a chair from the crowd to use across the back, only for Shane to roll under the ring. So Sandman begins to stalk after Woman again with the chair, when the franchise would fly out of the ring onto the Sandman followed by trying for a suplex, only for it to be blocked, allowing Sandman to hit a front suplex onto a chair on the concrete. Yeah, lift and drop and pancake his ass on it. Back in the ring, Sandman in control with boots and forearms, and he slams Douglas down and heads up top for a leg drop, only for Douglas to move. Shane delivers a backbreaker, a standing drop kick, but he is sent to the corner where he leaps up and over a charging Sandman who goes shoulder first into the post. Posted. The franchise locks in a cross-face chicken wing when Woman all of a sudden uses the cane across his knee, causing them to fall to the mat with Sandman on top for the pin and And the win. And new! I mean, Woman's racking up Sherry Sherry Martell stuff here. She doesn't know who she wants to do with. Flipping and flopping. (laughs) Post-match, Sandman and Woman reunite as Douglas rolls out and begins to throw a temper tantrum, grabbing a Monday Night Raw t-shirt from a fan and puts it on. I love it. Telling the crowd to kiss his ass before leaving through the crowd and out of the arena. He says, I'm going to go somewhere where I can wrestle. You all can kiss my ass. God damn it. (laughs) <laughs> it's gonna go wrestle huh I know and I think I'm like sad to see Shane Douglas go but I'm like and I know he doesn't fucking have, go and have a successful career at the WWF but he's a great wrestler yeah Shane Douglas is a great wrestler and until he meets another great wrestler I just wanna see him I just wanna see him have <laughs> great wrestling matches that's all the franchise has left the buildings and it's very funny cause Shane Douglas does flare spots T- pretty often, but he does a couple in this 
match, uh, and the crowd woos for him at least two to three times throughout it, and it's very, uh, very fun, especially for him to throw the raw shirt on afterwards. And I'm gonna go wrestle. So the funny part about this is, like I, I kind of mentioned last episode, why they would do the, the woman turn when if if this was something that they knew was about to happen, which so I think that they, these are like back to back shows, yeah. yeah. Like a week apart, which is normally so maybe, stupid thing to do in wrestling. Yeah, why would you just flip the belt back and forth between the two of them if you knew that this was going to happen? And why would you make woman be that fly by night when it sh- it can be a big deal because so she is I, a staple of the I, I, show? I always wonder, like, was that the original plan? Did the whole Shane Douglas to WWF thing just come up like between shows, like? That's one of the mysteries. Who knows if we'll ever know? It seems like yeah. yeah there's so many things that they like because built here's up, the thing, and then it's like, why would, why, why do this? You don't have to do it that fast, yeah. especially with Sandman and his cane. You can have matches with no finish forever. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. spoiler alert, Shane Douglas doesn't disappear for a few more shows before he leaves for the WWF. So his contract probably doesn't run out. Yeah. Or he doesn't get Unless this was just a way for them to like try to punish him and take some wind out of his sails. But like that's really fucking lame and shitty of you. Especially considering that Shane Douglas kind of helps... Is like started the ECW for Paul yeah. E. But then you could also yeah, do the change while he's still there for a few weeks. Just in case it doesn't go right. Because then you can always have Shane get it back and then somebody else take it off of him. I mean, I, I understand getting the belt off of Shane. Yeah. yeah. So that's why I, I wonder if it was literally between the two shows, you know, the show we had last week at Three Way Dance and this show, that the whole Shane going to WWF thing happened. Became a and maybe thing. they maybe they just rushed it not realizing that like it wasn't gonna be as fast. Which is kind of But as soon as as soon thoughts. as you know that that's gonna happen you want to get the belt off of him because you don't want another Ric Flair mm-hmm. going to WWF with the belt situation. Yeah, and we saw that Shane Douglas already did that once for Pauly. Exactly. And not that Vince would ask him to do that because Vince doesn't give a fuck about ECW. He probably doesn't even know what that is at this point. Absolutely not. Well, let's head to our seventh match. Public Enemy of Rocco Rock and Johnny Grunge versus the Pitbulls of number one and number two with Stevie Richards for the ECW Tag Team Championships. Pitbull 1 being on with hair, Pitbull 2 being one without hair. That's right. At one point, I think they both had hair. It's helpful that one's bald now. I'm trying to remember. If, I they, might if be number wrong. 2 I might had be hair, wrong. it was just number two, buzzed. Maybe, yeah, maybe it was I know short. Number, yeah, maybe. yeah. Maybe he's always been bald. Who knows? It but works. the champions come out first. Foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. The Pitbulls absolutely destroy Rock early on. That's my dudes. Culminating in number two press slamming them through a table on the floor. Yeesh. Johnny runs in to deliver clotheslines to everyone, but the Pitbulls are too much and hit a double vertical suplex for a two count. I love that that he double noggin knocks the Pitbulls. They no-sell it, both headbutt him, and then hit the double suplex. We're on some... uh, some like '80s WWF big boy, some Samoans vibes here. Rocco's rolled back in where number one starts wearing him down, only for Rock to fight back to hit a springboard moonsault press for a two count. I mean, it's Rocco. It's hard to tell what his body actually looks like because he basically wears hockey like hockey jersey. jerseys and stuff. But the guy can flip. Yeah. Like he's probably smaller than Mick Foley weight wise, yeah. but he's still doing like maybe not quite Sabu stuff, but pretty close. I mean, you got Bam Bam that can do all that stuff, so. Yeah, but Bam Bam is fucking Bam Bam. This is Rock <laughs> Rock, man. Public Enemy clotheslines the pit bulls to the floor, where everyone starts brawling around ringside with everyone getting busted open as well as frying pans, steel posts, and chairs are all used. Number one and Rocco are out in the crowd, while Grunge and number two head back into the ring, where number two is hit in the gut on his way down with a double axe handle. 
Rock uses a cookie sheet, followed by Johnny making a cover on number two inside the ring for a two count. Grunge with a side slam and then sets up a table inside the ring as Rocco and number one have made it back to ringside. Johnny pumps splashes number two through the table as the others continue to brawl around ringside and into the crowd. Grunge is then pile-drived into the concrete by number two, followed by more brawling by everybody with objects being used liberally. Frying pans. Uh, what are those called? A toaster. I mean, I don't think that a toaster actually gets No kitchen it. sink. No kitchen sink. We already <laughs> use the kitchen sink. You only get one kitchen sink per shove. Rock and the Pitbulls make their way back into the ring where they set up the super power bomb, only for Rocco to counter into a Frankensteiner for the pin, and no, number one breaks it up. Number two then goes to clothesline Rock, only for him to duck, so it takes out number one instead, allowing Johnny to make a cover for a two count. Grunge is tossed to the floor, followed by the pit bulls hitting a slingshot clothesline for a two count. Johnny then takes the pit bulls chain and takes them both down, allowing Public Enemy to try for the drive by, only for number one to avoid. Grunge still has the pit bulls chain and he hits number one from behind to send him into the corner where he bounces backwards into a roll-up by Rocco for the pin and, and the win. win. It's a smart way for the roll-up. It's just your roll-up roll up pin. Yeah. And they use chains. Yeah. There was some wrestling. So maybe we'll see some more chains yeah. in the near future. <laughs> so we go to our eighth match. 9-1-1 with Paul E. Dangerously. Versus Ron Simmons. Ooh, this is going to be an intense one. These two big-ass guys, let's bring it on. We join the match in progress as Simmons sets 911 up on the top rope. But 911 fights back to choke slam him from the top for the pin and the win. Okay. He, it's a choke slam ish Doesn't even really get a good one on him. Yeah. What the fuck was the point? What? All I can say is I hope Ron got at least $350. <laughs> I mean, I know these are like videos that come out after the fact. But 911 is so over, like, and it's Ron Simmons. Exactly. I'm like, why are you going to show literally the 15 seconds of this entire match? Just mm-hmm. the finish. There had to have been something else, and like, even if this was like four minutes and I didn't like it, I would like it more than just this. Yeah. I promise, because at least I would get some semblance of, like, context or whatever. I don't know if we even need it, but as Ron Simmons fans, yep. we don't appreciate this. Sad. Oh, what could have been. But, you know, maybe they're setting up for the future. <laughs> I'm sure Ron Simmons is just <laughs> going elsewhere. But who knows? Uh, is I there not another wrong. t-shirt around ringside for him to grab? <laughs> <laughs> we then go to our ninth match. Terry Funk versus Cactus Jack. Maybe we'll finally get a full match between these two guys. Maybe. Who knows? So Terry says something into the mic. Can't really understand what he's saying. With Cactus responding that he doesn't want to fight in the ring. So come on out here as he heads into the crowd. And Funk then heads over to the Eagle's Nest. So Jack stalks after him where they begin to brawl, beating each other with a chair, until Jack tries to drop an elbow through a table off the balcony, only for Terry to have moved. I mean, who well, who do you think was going to go through the table? Yep. They head back to ringside with, with more chair shots, when Funk sets a table up against the ropes inside the ring, only for Cactus to toss him into it multiple times. Jack then heads up top in the same corner as the table, allowing Terry to suplex the table Onto Cactus. He's stealing Cactus's moves. Knocking him down to the floor while the table bounces off the ropes and towards the crowd. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty scary. Also, you know, Jack falling onto the concrete and the table following him out. And the table, there's not, there's only a couple of feet between the ring Mm -hmm. at an ECW show. And that table could just really uh, gash somebody's head open. Yeah. Don't steal somebody else's move there, old funkster. Because he almost ruined a lot of things. (laughs) Jack is handed a toilet seat, who smashes that around 
Fung's head before looking to come off the apron with an elbow drop. But Terry slams him off onto the concrete. Fung then brings a trash can into the ring, where he finds a beer bottle and uses it across the head of Cactus until it breaks. He takes him like three times. They did not gimmick it. You know how you gimmick a glass bottle? You like boil it, and then when you hit somebody over it, it like breaks really easily. Uh, This one was not the deal. Yeah, I mean, even like with a regular bottle back in the day, if they used one, they would boil it so it would break without like knock without putting a welt through the guy's head it'll just like shatter like it's still dangerous but that's the that's the gimmick trick and this one you can hear the first hit and it's just like it makes your stomach hurt because you're like oh my god terry then continues by using the broken pieces to rake it across the face of jack (sighs) ouch terry takes the mic again but again no clue what he said. I mean, this is, these don't have the best production value. And no. Terry Funk, I mean, it's kind of a mush mouth anyway. Just gives me a flashback to when he grabbed the mic that wasn't really the in studio <laughs> microphone. Very so nobody stuff. can hear him. Mikey, Whipwreck, and Hack Myers then run down to help Cactus. Shah! Only for Funk to put them into the front row. Back in the ring, Terry's using a chair across the knee of Jack before locking on the spinning toehold only for Cactus to cradle him up for a two-count. Jack continues with a DDT onto a chair, makes the cover, only for Sandman to break it up with a cane shot. Cactus and Sandman then brawl momentarily until Jack can toss him out of the ring, followed by hitting another DDT on Funk for the pin and And the win. win. Post-match, Sandman's back in with cane shots before pouring lighter fluid all over Jack. Terry has gone to the back to get a branding iron that is on fire, returning to light Cactus Jack up in flames. Funk keeps poking at Jack with the iron when Cactus is finally able to grab it away as Joey says his goodbyes and we fade to black. Yeah, and then as soon as, like, Cactus gets the iron, people come out with, like, wet towels to make sure he's okay because uh he gets like pretty close to him like i think when he touches him with it it's basically like on a shirt or whatever but it's still a hot piece of iron i don't know if you've been around a lot of hot metal but doesn't you don't touch it for very long if it's you don't have to touch it very long to do anything to yourself yeah yeah exactly Uh, i did love did you guys catch the guy in the front row who had like cut out drawings of cactus jack they're like caricatures of cactus jack and terry funk and he, he like that. yeah they're like on like a f- white foam board and it looked like he drew them with markers but they were like really cool caricatures and he just had cut them out instead of having them on like a poster board and was just like <laughs> holding them up but it, i was uh yeah there, there was some artistic integrity on there compared to a lot of signs <laughs> we've seen it was uh kind of cute as cute as ecw can be i guess so i ask you gentlemen what are your overall thoughts of Hostile City Showdown, 1995. It was about kind of what I was expecting it to be. There was some highs, some lows. There was, uh, I mean, obviously the Eddie Dean, great one. The Axel and Ian match wasn't as dreadful as I was expecting it to be because I'm not the biggest... That kind of match guy. Yeah, I mean, I'm okay with that kind of a match. It's more of, I'm just... There's no not a stakes huge here. Axel or Ian fan in general. They're just fighting because those guys like are willing to have that match. It seems like there's not really the feud doesn't seem hot or being progressed in any way outside of that they can do this and people like it. Yeah, I mean for the most part it was a, a decent show. There was a lot of I don't know what word I'm going for. I would say it's slop, in, not slop, but it's an easy watch, but not an exciting watch there's not as many surprises as that last show this just kind of seems like a continuation of what happened on the last show and maybe not the like blow off to stuff that started on the last show of course our tv title is it's tv title not Mm -hmm. like our tv title match i mean come come on come on yeah i mean i i felt like there was just way too many brawls on the show and like I would say there's one thing that's not there's, a problem. there's two there's two matches that are literally like thirty seconds long combined. Yeah. 
because they're cut for time, basically. I was like, why even put these on the tape if you're not going to even... Like, yeah, there's like, no point. still, who there's is no uh, Tsubo Genjin? I have no clue. Mm. I'm sure he's from Wing or something like that. Yeah. He is, like, the only guy on this show without a, uh, like, Wikipedia blink. Maybe he called a hotline and won a spot on. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but like we said, that one shining light on this show is a shortlist match. Yep. So Absolutely. Find it's it. It's kind of watch it twice. in the middle. Like, I, I, yeah, I agree with you. It wasn't a hard watch. It no. was just kind of It was just kind of a continuation of everything that we've kind of already seen in yep. the previous show. And it's not with necessarily... Nothing... Like it's not necessarily yeah, it's not necessarily better. It's like equal to or less than like what we saw previously, with the exception of like Eddie and Dean. Yeah, which is it's like what that one girl on Sister Act Two said, where she said it was good for what it was, but it wasn't all that. (laughs) (laughs) That is a was that Lauren Hill that said that? (laughs) No. Okay, I don't know. I haven't seen Sister Act Two in a long time. Great saying for the show. Yeah, I think it was the girl that played Tiana. I would say, like, that last show, we were like, Ellen's kind of probably important for the sake of watching, going through the history of ECW. This one, there's one match. Exactly. It's, like, legitimately worth your time. Yeah. The rest of it, you could probably just read about. If you want to see some awesome-ass wrestling, turn this one on and go to match five. five. Yep. Yeah. And match five is 25 minutes long, and every second of it's great. Yep. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? There. All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. So what are some of the best moments of the show? Match five, five, yeah. Yeah, match of five, five, <laughs> five, yeah. Five-star match five. Standing, uh, standing time limit draw. I talked about it when we watched it, or when we, were, when we covered it, but I just want to reiterate that I think that that is, in most cases, a superior way to finish a time limit draw. Oh, yeah. And I mean, in a match that starts off these, this is also going to be something that I'll sprinkle into my most surprising, but a match that started off with boring chance, you know, all of a sudden this winning the crowd so over and, I know, into and, a standing ovation. That's, yeah, multiple standing ovations. Yeah, that, that shows the, the talent of those two men specifically, that they can take a crowd that has no interest in what they're doing because it's not trash TV and actually making them appreciate the art of wrestling. And proof that... <clears throat> When wrestling, if wrestling is good, when wrestling is good, you can show it to somebody, and they'll and then they'll be like, oh, like at the very least, I I respect this and I understand, like what is here to like, and that's those are the kind of matches that I appreciate because they remind me sometimes why uh, why I do love this when it, when everything fades away and you're just uh, locked in. And uh, Eddie Guerrero and Dean Blanco can do that, and they did it here. One of my favorite moments, actually, it comes from the very first match where after Raven trips up Mikey, he heads to the back and he goes and gets Hack Myers to bring him. Like, and then they basically kind of redo that spot where M- Mikey gets tripped up again. So Stevie then starts to run the ropes, and so Hack trips up Stevie. <laughs> I just, I thought it was a fun yeah, Fun yeah. Little moment. It's one of those things where it's like not uh, like it's comedic, but it's not like slapstick. Yeah, it's just it's just like it's just kind of a like like a, a twist of fate type of comedy as opposed to like it's not Three Stooges, which uh, I prefer wrestling comedy to be a little less Three Stooges than it yeah. is sometimes. I also liked uh, Sign Guy's sign where he wanted chainsaws. Chainsaws. I mean, Ian and Axel, they're going to run out of things at some point. They didn't get to use a kitchen sink yet, so. That's true. And what about the plastic dinosaur, guys? Plastic dinosaur was cool. I forgot about that. Plastic dinosaur was pretty crazy. I'm pretty sure that in the next show, spoiler, there's another plastic dinosaur. They don't grab it, though. They don't grab it, but I'm pretty sure that it's the dinosaur from Toy Story. (laughs) <laughs> and this one wasn't right no, yeah wasn't. and then what next one is oh, and right. I didn't realize that Toy Story came out that early in 95 and this is April but they may have been already selling the toys because of the commercials or something but I remember seeing Toy Story in the theater I'm sure we'll cover it when we get there how about most disappointing Ron Simmons taking a pin from 911 <laughs> Shane knows what's up 911's always going to be a problem for us 
I guess. Like I said the show's mostly fine. I mean, like like I said in my overall thought, I mean, it's just it's mostly just everybody's just brawling around, going in and out of the crowd, and so it's kind of like, you know, we we want to watch wrestling for wrestling and. Yeah, that even, stuff can get old. Even the Shane Sandman match here is more brawling than the previous one. There was like a little bit of wrestling because we know Shane can. I mean, is a great wrestler, and Sandman obviously can't keep his. I keep talked. Up to, with I him. talked about that one right after yeah. the match a little bit. That's disappointing to me. Like the whole hot shotting the belt back and forth. Yeah. Who knows? Like we said, who why? knows why? We can't quite figure it out, but there had to have been some reason. If Polly could have just had a feeling. Maybe I mean, it's very possible. Yeah. Maybe he was just trying to protect himself and didn't trust Shane, but I mean, he trusted Shane to do some mean shit to get this whole thing off the off and going, and he knows he can't pay Shane what he's worth. And, no, definitely not. And no one else is going to use Shane for what he's worth either, so it's kind of a problem in general. Yep. How about best performer? I mean, it's Eddie and Dean. It's yep. Eddie and Dean. I mean, I might, I, it's, I'd say it's more even here than with Eddie and Scorpio is uh, yeah. This is because Dean's Dean's more solid than Scorpio. Scorpio can do things that Dean can't, but uh, that doesn't necessarily mean he's a better wrestler. I don't know if it's a matter of him doing things he can't. Scorpio does things that Dean just won't. won't. Yeah, it's like yeah, maybe Dean, yeah, maybe yeah. Dean could do a weird <laughs> flippy leg uh, drop, but Dean doesn't need to do that. He, he's the shooter. It's Dean Malenko. That's right. Pew pew. How about most surprising? I don't know if there was anything super surprising. I mean, I guess I can throw it in there too for that. The nine one one Ron Simmons of Yeah, that was that's all almost you gave more us, disappointing huh? than surprising. Because it's like, pff, sure, of course. But there are stupid ass Philadelphia fans that thought that oh, yeah, the Dean were boo. boring. Yeah. yeah. There Come we on. go. That's the most surprising. I mean, yeah, that's it. yeah, also I was kind of surprised that we had Funk and Cactus Jack here. Uh, I mean, I mean, obviously we saw it Return of the Funker, which was two ECW shows away. Funk show back up, but the way we cover these, I had actually kind of forgotten mm-hmm. about it because we had watched a couple WC, WCW yeah. shows and and there, and and there was, was, and there was no mention of Cactus Jack or Funk on the last ECW show, so it was kind of like. Oh yeah, that's right. There's a yeah. There's that, a weird. There's a feud going on. This is a feud. So that was. It was kind of shocking. And yeah, and they surprising. don't. Sh- they don't show anything, but they say that Funk had burned Cactus with a branding iron. Did he do that at Return of the Funker, or was that no? It's okay. probably in Japan or something. Or something. Yeah. So like, of course, they Joey says it early on and comes back out, and Terry Funk does a job. But Terry Funk's fine with doing a job, especially to his buddy Cactus. Absolutely. Yep. And I'm, it's not really a job. Take a pin. Terry Funk's not a jobber. And now for a look back even further into the history of wrestling. The Dusty Finish. After winning the IWGP Heavyweight Championship in a single elimination tournament at the Tokyo Dome, Vader would make his first defense a month later in Osaka on May 25th, 1989. His opponent, Salman Hashminikov, born 1953 in Russia, was a world champion freestyle wrestler in the early 80s. Hashminikov would enter the New Japan Wrestling Dojo to train for a professional career. He would make his debut in February of 1989, dominating New Japan over the course of the next few months. Salman would become the fifth IWGP heavyweight champion that night and would hold the title until a legend would make his presence known. Mm-hmm. Next week, enter the Sandman. For Exit <laughs> I was about to start doing the riff, and I was like, no, I, I think I, well, for some reason I can't remember the riff. <laughs> it's like the most simple guitar riff ever. Yeah. We don't have that music this week, but we do have... Thunder Kiss 65 by White Zombie. 5-5? Five, five. Yeah. And Cactus Jack won our main event, so we played Born to be Wild by Steppenwolf. Yep. Yeah, Born to be Wild. I was, Born to be Wild is one of those songs that... It's, no, it was I so overplayed at one point, and now you just never really hear it anymore. 
but I feel like it used to just show up in yeah. every like '90s comedy or yeah. like whatever. It just Any seemed to just boy. be around. Yeah. Did it in Bad Boys? Probably no. <laughs> if you like the show or any of our other ones, go out there and rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcast at. Do as Michael says. Five stars for no stars. Don't right. be a jerk. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, recipes, drink ideas, something from Philadelphia that you know people consume because I'm running out of fucking yeah, ideas. Yeah, what do they serve at Flyers games? Is there a Flyers sandwich or something there's a know. philly flyer cocktail it's the official cocktail of philadelphia but have we done that i don't think so <laughs> maybe it was too strong <laughs> <laughs> but you can hit us up with those ideas on email at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com or find us on twitter at wrestling that's wrestling h-i-s-t-o-x we'll talk to you next week later